0: listening to a more conscious world it is april 29th and i'm sitting in my beautiful living room in brandon and it's sunny it's like 17 above and it's sunny and pretty and i just got back from the gym and i'm having a really nice day and wherever you are out there i hope you're having a really nice day too um and it's about to get nicer because i have an amazing amazing guest today and it's uh, Christine McCarthy. And Christine has quite an impressive business resume as well as quite an impressive access consciousness resume, and she's just began facilitating courses. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to Christine today um, about business and about consciousness. But the reason that I had Christine on the show today was to talk about style and class and fun and all of the different energies that Christine has invited into the world and has invited into my life. So we're gonna, we're going to have a we we talk, we have a lot of girl talk Christine and I when I see her at access classes and talk about fashion and different things. So we kind of just wanted to get together um, on the show and use the show as a platform to give everybody the information about the different things that we talk about because Christine is a wealth of knowledge. So that was a long introduction. Welcome to the show, Christine.
1: Thank you very much, Julia. Pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So the first thing that I would like to talk about is, is kind of just your business background. Your family owns a vineyard. I mean, you have just have so much to share. If you could just talk about a little bit about that, about growing up in Silicon Valley, all the different things that um,
1: make you you. Yes. Okay. So I grew up on a farm. That's where we started. Um, my dad farmed a bunch of land in the Silicon Valley for decades, and I just saw my father and family kind of rise up in the ranks and make you know a couple different big business decisions that change the financial future of our family. So I was always interested in knowing more about business and wanting to be around my father quite a bit, going to work, just wanting to be in that world just immediately. So as anytime I could do anything or be with him I would I would go out of my way to make sure that I I could learn and be around business as much as possible. So um, we started out as farmers, we became re- big real estate developers. And then from then on, just kind of got into a bunch of different real estate stuff. And then the vineyard started as kind of a, a hobby, but ended up turning into, you know, a profitable winemaking business in the Santa Cruz Appalachian. So my dad's done a fair amount of humanoid-ish things where he's created three different types of careers for himself. So every couple, every 15 years, he's got another big project going on. So it's been fun. I I, I picked well.
0: (laughs) You did. (laughs) I'm a farmer's daughter as well. And my dad is quite a business. He's into trading and finances and stuff like that. So it's kind of, that's cool. Um, I didn't know that we both had that in common. Um, I'd almost, gosh, I almost could have another show with you on talking about real estate. Yeah, that would be a
1: lot of fun. Um, There's a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So with that in mind, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, what it was like watching your, your dad, you know, make all of these big choices and how, like the, I know that you make a lot of really Big choices. Um, like, how has that affected your life and what you're choosing?
1: I think one thing that sets apart what I experienced as a child growing up that's different from what, what I hear most people talk about my parents always told me no, but I never heard we couldn't afford that. Never once did I ever hear, oh, sorry, honey, we can't have that because we don't have the money. That that was not the reality that I was told. I was just told no, which I don't really like that word at all. But there was, there was just that there was never a, a large discussion about money. There was never a we have this, we don't have this. It was just like we just worked and, you know, took whatever we had and made it greater. And I didn't know that that wasn't really most people's reality but I always was thinking, and I think my dad too, in terms of like, wow, what can we choose and what can we create here that would be greater than what we are doing? And I think that's just an entrepreneurial mindset. And, you know, it just was how many, you know, who can we involve in the business? Who can help us out? Who can we partner with? Like you're just really in the question when it comes to business. Right. And... You just don't know that that's not normal. you're just like, well, why wouldn't you ask a question
0: <laughs> right you know i've been I've been listening to the recordings of a class that Gary did in India the seven day and and he is talking about never never give up, never quit, never give in, or never give in, never quit, never give up, something like that and and that's kind of what you're talking about here. It's like we if we see things as greater than us. And so, like, a lot of people have the point of view that they can't expand certain things. And that's not really the entrepreneurial point of view. The entrepreneurial point of view is never quit, never give in, never give up. So that's mm-hmm. kind of neat.
1: I was just um, – I had a birthday party um, at – My father's house in California, well, um, like two weeks ago, and a bunch of friends and I were sitting outside, and he came out and spoke to us, and we were just asking him all kinds of questions about work and real estate, and he just said he always had a vision for everything that he bought, like, because we owned a bunch of land, so he could always see what he could do with it. And he did it. I mean, he took a lot of risk. Um, He wrote really big checks. He put a lot of infrastructure in places. Like, he just did things like, you're crazy. But he always bought. I always watched him not be impulsive when it came to purchasing anything. Like, he he has patience, almost like, you know, Gary has allowance. Oh, my God. (laughs) My dad has patience when it comes to buying things. Like, he would just wait until it was, The cheapest of the cheapest, and it made sense to do it. And he would just wait and wait and wait, and then he would negotiate, and he would get the deal that worked. That would create more. I learned that from him big time.
0: Huh? That's not something that we talk about a lot—is patience.
1: We don't really have it. (laughs) I don't have. I'm not very patient. I am not.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because it kind of. Makes me think about how we try to force things to in, into existence before their time a lot, and it's kind of the same thing. Like that is the definition of patience is just the willingness to let things come to fruition in their time.
1: And yeah, and that's that sense of following the energy too, like oh, this is time now to do this, right? Versus yeah, versus controlling it.
0: Right, oh, that's super cool. So let's. I kind of want to dive into the to the fashion and jewelry and all of the different things um, that you're kind of involved in and interested in. Um, what kind of sparked that in you?
1: Um, I think I was just born that way. It's funny because <laughs> they my family always compares me to being like my dad's mother. Um, she unfortunately passed I think 12 months before I was born so I never had the opportunity to meet her but everybody said that I had very similar type, style and taste to hers. Um, my mom is not fancy, my dad is not fancy, my sister and brother aren't, I probably embarrass them with the amount of money I spend on things and I just always had an affinity towards really really beautiful things and, and you know and expensive things. Like it was it was just something that I it's innate. It's like I I tried really hard. Like I'll try really hard to buy something that is a little less expensive and then I won't ever wear it. <laughs> 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 I tried. I'm like, oh my God, this is such a great deal and then I get it home and I'm like, I don't like this. Damn. All right. Well, what else is possible? that's funny.
0: It's funny because I ask myself sometimes when I'm getting dressed, would Christine McCarthy wear this? <laughs> 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 that's how much I respect your style. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so can I I mean I'm not sure really where to begin with the conversation, like like the specifics of the ju- like that you know about jewelry and or just the willingness to have those sort of things in your life. I mean, there's kind of two different paths we could take. I'm not sure where you want to kind of go with
1: that. Okay, I'll start. Um, I can't imagine my life not having those things in it. Like, there was not an option. Like, when I was in college, um I always worked because my parents gave me a certain amount of money, like, say, $300 a month. And I was like, well, that is not going to, that is not ample enough money for me to have the dresses I want to wear to these dances. So I always, I never looked at something as like, I can't have it. I always thought, oh my God, what can I do to have it? Like, get a job, you know, ask my grandparents for something, like, just, if there wasn't, If my dad and mom said, you can't have this, I was like, really watch me. So I just, I never let somebody else's limitations on what they weren't willing to have or receive get in the way of what I was going to have in my life. And it's funny because it's taken me a long time to realize that that's actually not normal. That's very different because, and the things that come, come to each person are very different. Like the deals I get on clothes, like I, I have a talent of finding things that are crazy cheap and online. I mean, I have a body type. I can buy a size eight and pretty much anything and it fits. So I just, Hmm. I'm fortunate that way. Like I can, I know I've done enough homework and I've educated myself so much on, on what I do like that when I, when something comes along and it's, a gift, as I would say, I, I'd pounce on it because I'm like, oh, I know I'm this size in this shoe or i this, you know, or I know enough about these jewelry brands where I'm like, this is a steal. And so I actually talked to Gary Douglas about it a while ago. I was like, you know, what is that? And he says, it's just not turning away possibilities when they present themselves. He said, and that continues to create and build your future. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Hmm. Wow. So for people who maybe aren't
0: involved in that world or don't know a whole lot about those things, where would they start to educate themselves?
1: That's a good question. So when I was in high school, I hung around everybody that had way more money than we did. And I was always asking them, the parents, like when we would sit down and have dinner, you know, on during the week or on the weekends, and I just asked them questions about, you know, I my one of my really good two of my really good friends in high school parents were, I mean, shopped at Neiman Marcus. I mean, you name it. they had stuff, luxury this, luxury that, and I was always really fascinated by, wow, what else is out there, and how do people accumulate wealth like that? Like, you know, some people did it through cars, some people did it through real estate, some people had trust funds. Like, you just, I was always a curious kid. Like. Asking questions about, you know, going to work with my um, friend's father. It's like, just, you know, what are you guys doing? What are you collecting? What has value? What do wealthy people value? And that helped out a lot because I got to see, I got to see how what other people valued and how they really were with their money, which was really different. Because hmm. my parents weren't super generous. Um, they were not free with the money at all. It was very con- tightly controlled, um, mm-hmm. and I-, I hung around other people that, you know, where well, there was there was no limit and things that they could have and get. And then I started seeing, I started seeing, oh, wow, that's a Rolex. Wow, that's nice. I like to have one of those. Or I'd like to go and you know in my closet and have a bunch of clothes hanging there with tags on it I've never worn like that's a different that's different like I don't want to shop at Mervin's I'd rather go to Nordstrom that's so right. it's just, it was just <laughs> sorry it was just different choices like you know there's there's different. There's different ways of having money and being money and surrounding yourself with it. And everybody has somebody in their life that they think, wow, I'd like to live like them. And then go go surround yourself with people like that. And you will start to have things show up in your life that you never thought were possible. Right. That's funny.
0: Um, it, it, I mean, what you're talking about is really kind of like the penny capitalist too, like the way to actually get there financially is to look at what you do have and how you can use that to create something greater.
1: hmm so Everybody has a talent and ability that they're not using or that they think has no value. But you have to really look at, oh, what do I love? What excites me when I go somewhere? Like, it's, people hate to shop. People don't like, you know, people are on the opposite spectrum of me. Like I can do it, I can shop till I drop, and I love helping other people out. And I love being with people when they choose something that that is greater than what they've had before and seeing it change their life and what people perceive of them. Right. Wow. There's just such an
0: energy about you. It's just. It's just so different. Like, it's just this energy of, like, I'm always going to have greater and greater and greater. And that is the reality of any humanoid, anybody who's like seeking consciousness or seeking more. It is greater and greater and greater. And it's just, it's interesting to see it the way that you specifically choose and see the world. It's just really an interesting, interesting form of that.
1: I mean, if you think about it, like, Everybody has something they're not willing to live without. You know, for some, some people like men, it may be they won't ever not be able to do some sort of sports they want to and they always find the money to golf or to go on a vacation they really want to. It's just the same thing. It's just in a different area of your life. I mean, right. when it comes to going to access classes, you, the money shows up because you're willing to make that demand of yourself. Like I'm having this and I don't care what it takes, but this is gonna change my life and I want I want more of it. <laughs> it's true.
0: It is and sometimes it just seems like it shows up by magic, but it's really it really is a less about the how and more about the choice. Like I am having this, I am doing this, I'm not gonna be this way, I'm gonna be this way because that's what's gonna be
1: greater. So And what works for you? in the way that you generate and create your life doesn't necessarily translate to other people that well. So it's just being more aware of where you have capacities to, to create greater and to have something that other people, it's just not even in their world. And so that's where I think sometimes you made a really great point about not thinking about the how or what you don't have. It's taking what you do have and, Leveraging that to use it to your advantage, and that's when you really start seeing your life change.
0: Right. It's huh. interesting. Um, can Can you talk a little bit? I kind of do want to talk about real estate a little bit, <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, so your family develops real estate a lot, and you know you're well versed in it. So. I'm not even sure what the question is. It's just about like taking what you see and looking at it and seeing the possibilities and making it greater than what it is. I'm not like, can you just talk about, because to me like real estate development, that's what it is. It's it's taking something and making it greater and selling it for more and seeing the possibilities mm-hmm. in it. So can you just talk more yeah. about that and, and what you do?
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different elements that go into real estate, which is what makes it really exciting. Um, it's cyclical. Um, and there there's an energy that's, that's present, I think, in different projects. Like, you know, some people prefer commercial. Some people prefer residential. You can make money in either one. You just have to know know different things about the area about the location about what people are looking for um, and buying at the right time and the right price is key to being profitable and you have to be a, a little bit more of a visionary and have it always helps I think to have some sort of design um, some sense of design and construction not a knowledge of some sort of you know, some background in construction in any way, shape, or form, because there's so many people that are involved in all the deals you end up doing. Um, but for me, like I can drive down a block, and I could tell you what buildings I would buy. And it's just like they they pop out at me, and they go, "There's just something different about them." Like, I'm very architecturally. Um, I would say I' probably dress really structured and I like classic lines and you know very well tailored stuff. It, I'm the same way in real estate. Like I like um, well-maintained buildings, I like good neighborhoods. I enjoy buying even as a distressed property and fixing it up and giving it a cosmetic overhaul. So there's just so much you can do. And it's just what do you enjoy doing? Like what are you good at? And what can you see that other people can't see? And what kind of deal can you score?
0: (laughs) Right. That's the fun part. (laughs) (laughs) It's like there's this sense. I I know that I have this sense where it's almost like you have to – take the bad and the bad neighborhoods and the bad streets and fix them and make them better rather than going to the good neighborhood and picking the stuff that's well structured in the line. It's, it's funny. It's like, I feel this place in myself and in other like people that we want to like fix and, and make something terrible, you know, mediocre rather than just going for the gold and picking the things that are actually going to work and turning them into something better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's a yeah, cool. It's a rare point of view that you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's never, there's always a house for everyone. There's an apartment for everyone. There's an office building for everyone. And you know, what can, what talent do you have that you can apply that can change change a place into something somebody else will desire and acquire and that's fun no
0: no, i but i mean it from the sense of like i just like your willingness to be like i'm gonna pick the nicest one in the nicest neighborhood not try to fix what's broken like you know what i mean like that's what i mean like it's it's just so cool that that you i don't know you just don't fuck around
1: (laughs) (laughs) i try not to anymore yeah (laughs) it's cool but
0: no i'm like i'm just saying that i would want to go to the crappy neighborhood and be like i'm going to make that better when really it's there's no point it's not going to like it's still in a crappy neighborhood and i just mean that for life like rather than going to the affluent neighborhood and seeing okay what actually works here what's actually going to create more so it's funny it's just different
1: um i i just actually wrapped up doing that um I was buying distressed properties in not-so-nice neighborhoods and fixing them up. And when I walked in the first home, I felt so um, different. And I thought, oh, my God, this is what I'm looking for because I I would like to take something that is really run down and make it so much greater to change somebody else's reality to have more and to live differently. So, huh. I have done both. That's really cool. Um, wow, that's really cool.
0: So last December, you went to um, Sotheby's in New York and learned about jewelry and auctions and stuff like that. <laughs> Can you I talk did, a little bit about that area?
1: I, yes. So I was looking online, curious about learning more about jewelry. And I thought, oh, I'd like to take a class or I'd like to get some sort of certificate or just, you know, something additional to what I – just to educate myself further. So um, somebody had – I'd read somewhere that Sotheby's and Christie's has these continuing education and advanced degree um, portion of their business. So I looked them up. Uh, so if you didn't have anything, Christy's happened to have something in New York, and I thought, I don't even know what this is, that I'm going. So I went to that, and now you go into certain things, and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to change everything. Well, it did, but it doesn't change it in the way that you think it's going to. It was two and a half days of, uh, I would say, jewelry magic. We, I had the best time. I'm so glad I went. I learned I learned a lot. I learned that I actually had a few pieces of collector's items that I bought 10, 15 years ago that I had no clue. Um, So I was able to acknowledge where I had already started collecting and just hadn't really become a collector. And I met some really interesting people. Uh, It was very professional. Um, It was extremely educational, but it was also fun. They do a really good job of of giving you a nice variety of speakers, um, very much industry leaders, and you get access to things you cannot get access to as just an average person. So I was able to, I was in Kiss Me Company's uh, corporate um, headquarters and their archives, talking to their archivists. I mean, just really, really cool stuff. And I got to see all of the magnificent jewels that they auctioned off in December and the week before. Mm. Um, we got to go to Oscar Hyman, and for those of you that are not familiar with the jewelry aspect, um, Oscar Hyman was the jeweler to the jeweler. So, and probably until the late '80s or '90s, they did all of Van Cleef's and Arpels' New York-based work. So it was just really fun. I mean, I saw, I just saw pieces. You just you don't you know not every day you're getting your hands on jewelry that is made the craftsmanship in and the obviously the dollar amount. I mean they, I think Christy sold that whole lot for eighty five million dollars.
0: Eighty five million dollars.
1: Yep. And they do it twice. I think they do that auction twice a year. Wow. But um yeah, and I thought uh, what I ended up taking away from that and I still think about that class when I'm out looking for things is just the the eye that you have when it gets when you're around things that are selling for you know anywhere from four thousand to fifty million dollars like there's a different caliber of clientele and wealth that comes into um, that comes into I mean, it's just a different world. You know, people are calling in and they're dropping, you know, four million dollars on the phone on a, you know, a rare, a rare sapphire. I mean, that's not an everyday thing, but for these people, it is. (laughs) It's just fun. (laughs) So it was, it was, it was very cool that way. Like, wow, I think I have some nice things. Not, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking about, you know, the different caliber of investment and just collectability that, you know, New York has that, you know, pretty much all those big auction houses are just a different level um, of clientele than you wouldn't really interface with every day. So it was really cool.
0: So do you have, like, a clearing or something for for all of us get comfortable with that sort of thing, like, to really – because it's not – that it's not the money Money's not the issue it's like who do you think you are and what kind of choices would you like to make and there's a, like there's a level of of wow that stuff is so so big and beyond and it's really not it's that's just a facade so would you have a clearing or anything to say to that
1: um my new favorite clearing is what's the value of refusing receiving Ooh. And everything that is, will you destroy and uncreate that? Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, puck, puck, all nine, triplets and beyonds. I have been running that 30 times a day, 30 days, you know, long. Anytime I'm kind of wonky about something, I'll be like, oh, what's the value of refusing, receiving? And I've had more people show up in my life doing really kind things for me. And my level of receiving has changed, so don't run it. (laughs) it won't work on you
0: (laughs) crap now I'm going to have to actually receive damn it Christine. (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's actually that's an amazing query what's the value of refusing receiving okay I'm going to just run it a few times on the show so what's the value of refusing receiving and everything that is times a gazillion can we destroy and uncreate it all Right, wrong, yes. good, bad, all nine, pod, talks, shorts, boys, and beyond. Oh, that's stomach turning. So what's the value of refusing receiving? And everything that is, times a gazillion, let's destroy and uncreate it all. Right, wrong, yep. good, bad, all nine, pod, talk shorts, boys, and beyond. One more time. What's the value of refusing receiving? And everything that brings up, times a gazillion, can we destroy and uncreate it all?
1: yes
0: yeah. all right we're on good bed all nine
1: pod talk shorts boys and beyond Whew. that's amazing and it's funny because i've been running it for a while and energy still comes up so it's just one of those one of those ones that hits a place that you can't really explain but it works <laughs> yeah
0: no it does wow. um, i've right. been
1: also asking another question that i really love um, it's called, it's what are the infinite possibilities for me to be a millionaire? And wow. everything that doesn't, doesn't allow that to show up, will you destroy and uncreate it all? Yeah. Right, wrong, goodbye, podpock, pod, poc, all nine, short, boys, and young. And for those of you that are already millionaires, what what are the infinite possibilities for me to be a billionaire? You'd run. And everything that doesn't allow that to show up, will you destroy and uncreate it all? Yeah. Right, Wrong, Good, Bad, Pod, Puck, All Nine, Shorts, toys and Beyond. So I've been playing a lot with those two different ones, and um, it's been fun.
0: Hmm. You, fun. I mean, you're
1: creating for your future. So you're asking for more receiving, and, you know, receiving would be in whatever capacity it is. And then you're also asking for more money and, you know, to have a future with money. Not to spend it, not to, you know, get rid of it, to have it. Hmm.
0: So, wow. What is the, what's the question I'm trying to form? You're frying my brain here, so it's hard to formulate questions. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, what? Before the call, we talked about asking, like, if there's something that you really, really like to have in your life, you know, what's it going to take for you to get it? Like, what can I do? There's that sense of demand. Like, when you were talking about being in university, you got extra jobs so that you could have the right dresses and, and have what you really wanted to have. Um can you talk about that demand and just like being like no like this is what i choose and not backing down from it
1: yeah um i think what people when people don't have what they truly desire in their life is that they've actually not asked for it so the first thing i would say to do would be like you know for me when i was younger it was a lot about Having better clothes, my mom, my mom wasn't very interested in um, in in uh, in in giving or in really allowing me to have what I really desired. So for me, I did that with clothes. I started out um, just thinking, okay, well, what what can I what do I really like? Like what what would I enjoy? What would I feel good in? And so I just started going out to different clothing stores and looking at prices and looking at, oh, I'd like to have that. And then just thinking, I never had a problem in that area. Um, every time that I would become aware of a different brand or something else I'd like, it would just, you know, not in, not always instantly, but in the next couple months or whatever, I'd be able to afford it. So um i don't know if i'm making sense, but it's you know it's having something in your awareness like um like i've seen you Julia come come to class and change like you're wearing more makeup you're dressing differently you're you're making a different demand in your life to have more and to to um include more things as it comes in in terms of fashion in your life. So it's it's similar in that capacity. Um, I think most people already decide that they can't have something, and so they just don't really ever try or ask for it or think that right. it can come in, in ways that you don't have to do everything for it, too.
0: So say more about that, you don't have to do everything for.
1: Well, part of it is is just saying, wow, what would it take to have more of that in my life? And what would it take for more beautiful things and clothing to show up with total ease? And not having a conclusion or a result, you know, because it it might not necessarily be that exact item that you're like, oh, my God, I have to have that. It could be something six months from now in a different store, half off, that's even greater than what you first thought you'd like to have. So it's right. that, that that patience, please. <laughs> right. You well, know, it's funny.
0: It's, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say. I heard. I heard Gary ask a question or say something to the line of, "You guys are so silly. You think that when you see something in the store, you have to buy it. You have to buy it in order for mm-hmm. it to show up in your life." And I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." I went to Victoria's Secret, and there was this robe, or no, it was like a nightie. It was a really cute, bright pink Victoria's Secret nightie, and I said to myself, hmm, "So, well, what if I didn't have to buy this for this to show up in my life?" And um, a week later, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for a, a long time um, for my birthday. Sent me a hundred dollar Victoria's Secret gift (laughs) card, and then I went to buy it. It was actually an American gift card, and I'm in Canada, so it didn't work in the Canadian store. And I was like, I have to get my ninety. Like I created this, so I went online, and there was none in my size on the online store. And I was like, that's it. Like I have to have this ninety. I created this. And then I went on again, like refreshed the page, and suddenly it was there in my size and I ordered it. So that was really neat and it was almost like I it wasn't just asking the question like what's it going to take for me to get this. There were so many reasons even after I got the gift card that I couldn't have it and I was like no I'm having this idea. I created this and then it showed up right there right away.
1: And that's that piece that you spoke about in the beginning of the show, never give up, never give in and never quit. I mean yeah, it, in whatever order he says it but that's that sense of like, okay, one thing not working in your favor doesn't mean you ha- you can't have it. All right, what else is possible? Right. That's really cool. Um,
0: yeah, it was really cool. So, uh, a lot of what you're talking about is like creating for the future, because I think that we're we're not supposed to create for our futures. Most people just create in the future, which is just creating the fantasies out there that really never will come true, and we have no means of making come true. You're talking about creating for the future, and it seems like with every choice that you make, you're looking and asking, you know, what's light and what's going to create the future that I want to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I started buying um, more antique stuff, like silver sets. And silver this and candlesticks and, you know, um, different knick knacky things. And I remember thinking, what the hell am I doing? Like, I don't need <laughs> all this stuff. I don't even have a house because at that time I lived with my boyfriend. Well, I didn't, at that time when I was choosing to use my 10% that way and I was going to estate sales and, you know, buying things through different dealers and, now I look around. I just bought a place probably a couple months ago in downtown Chicago, and I look around, at every single thing I bought thinking I you sell or I could sell later for a profit or they were just fun to have, I'm surrounded by all these beautiful things now. <laughs> and at the time, like, I didn't know that that – I mean, I bought my China set in Boston in 1999, um, a 90-piece set, and everyone's like, you are nuts. And I was like, why? They're like, you're in a house. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. Like, this is Tiffany and Company. It's 14 karat gold. Oh my God, it's so pretty. It sat in the boxes for 10 years before it ever made it out. And now I use it every day. It's my everyday wear. And <laughs> it's really funny. I know, but I was like, everyone's like, you spent what? And you, what? My mom's like, Jesus, now I got to store this for you. Oh, God what are you doing? But now every day I look at it and I hand wash them. I can't put them in the dishwasher but I love them. And then I got a 12-piece um, Shreve and Company Sterling silverware silver set. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> well, now it's my it's my flatware in my new place. So those things that you think you're doing for one reason can turn out to contribute to your life in, in ways that you're not necessarily totally aware of, but you know that there's going to be some value down the road in what you're choosing today to create what you're going to have in the future. And that, that's how you accumulate and build wealth huh. because you're including yourself in you know, the equation.
0: Right. It's funny. I had a – for my 16th birthday, my mom got me a big, beautiful, white aid mixer. And it was for when I moved out. And six years later, I I just opened it and in November. And I I think I've used it twice. But it's like this most incredible, I just love my mixer. And it, everybody laughed and laughed. Like, why do you, you're 16 years old. Why do you need that? <laughs> but I had my mixer and it stayed in the basement. And I love my mixer. <laughs>
1: it's true. You're willing to I, ask.
0: Right. You're willing
1: to ask, and you're willing to have, and you know, and you're, you can see the future before it's even here. So that's cool.
0: Right. So funny. There's so much fun in that, like, because then when the future comes and you have all of these things ready, and they just perfectly place themselves in your life, it's just such a gift.
1: Yeah, and there's an energy um, that they are, but. But if you're willing to, you know, receive the contribution that beautiful things can, can be into your life. I mean, people come to my place. It's hardly decorated. I have I just had a couch, like, and they don't want to leave. I'm like, Jesus, you got to go. <laughs> like, every, people want to come over. They're like, oh, that's so nice. This is so you. Oh, this place is sexy. And it's like, I'm like, and what are they talking about? But <laughs> <laughs> but it's what it's all the things i love i'm now surrounded by and it's me and it's fun and it i wake up every day and i'm like thank so grateful that i've been able to create what i've created and choose what i've been able to choose because it works for me and it it has changed my life i mean in 2 months i've gone from being miserable and not enjoying where I was living, to waking up and feeling like I'm in a nice hotel every day. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is so, what, the energy of what I want in my life going forward. And I was willing to do whatever it, it took to buy it. Hmm, that's neat. So were you living in
0: California before and you've just moved to Chicago?
1: No, no, I was in Chicago.
0: Oh, you did? You've I, Yeah,
1: I've been here for almost four years. Okay,
0: so yeah. so you kind of took the real estate business from California and then moved over to Chicago.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So is your your dad still in California?
1: Everybody's in California, but me okay. I'm the crazy one in the Midwest. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I like fur coats, so Fair I can enough. wear fur out of here. <laughs> you know,
0: it's funny even. I went garage sailing last summer, and I bought myself at a garage sale a beautiful mink headband in the middle of the Mm. summer. (laughs) And everybody, the lady at the garage sale said, you know, you wouldn't believe, she said, I was the last person, and then they were closing up shop. And she said, like, tons of people looked at that today and tried it on, and nobody wanted it. And she sold it to me for like 4 or $5, and it was just stunning. And it's so much fun in the winter, and it goes nice with my coat. And and I guess that's I'm just looking at these things and thinking, wow, I actually am really smart and already doing this in a way. And also, I'd like to expand it to another degree. So, um, But, yeah, it's just neat. There's these little things that we can find everywhere we go if we're willing to keep our eyes open.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I. I mean, the other way, going back to what you asked me before about where do you get started with the clothing, I mean, go to secondhand store, consignment stores in nice neighborhoods and just pick up a few pieces of, you know, somebody else's clothes that they don't, that it was a couple seasons and they never wore. I mean, I have found some gems in, you know, like for example, in San Francisco, there's a consignment store on Sacramento Street. Well, all the wealthy socialites drop their stuff off there. So if you just, you know, find a local consignment store and just start looking, and you can start adding designer pieces to your, to your wardrobe. You can get a pair of shoes that are, you know, maybe lightly used and for a hundred dollars instead of four. So there's just different, different ways that that you can you can have things without truly having to pay. Retail, or you know, let somebody else do that. <laughs> Come it's on like and keep them up after. <laughs> it's like
0: buying a car. Yeah, get a you used you one. Drive it off the lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome.
1: I lose the money. Let somebody huh. else do
0: that. That's awesome. Well, we're almost going to the end of the hour here. Um, is there any kind of tips or tidbits that you want to leave
1: us with? Yes, I would like to leave you with, well, obviously, if you feel compelled to run a clearing, that's the value of receiving receiving. Holy hell. (laughs) That's a great great place to start. Um, And then the second one is follow your knowing. Follow what you know works for you, what you know will add to your life. Um, the other thing I would say is just don't make yourself wrong for wanting, desiring, having things that other people won't. And if you have to spend a lot or a little money to get it, be willing to do that on either end of the side. You know, pay full price for it and then not. But if you're willing to do both, you can truly have.
0: Wow. That's, I could hardly even hear what you were saying. <laughs> you're going to have to listen to that again. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I'm so grateful. It was so fun to talk. And I would love to have another show just about the ins and outs of real estate, if you'd be willing to, and consciousness and asking things
1: to talk to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that.
0: That would be great. Um, Do you have any classes coming up? I know you were talking about a foundation in Level 1, just to let people know where you're at and what you're doing.
1: Yes. Um, like around June 26th in Chicago, Dr. Lisa Cooney and I are co-facilitating a Foundation Level 1 in downtown Chicago. And then um, Gary and Susanna Winnemeyer are coming for Advanced Pragmatic Psychology in August, August 8th, 9th, and 10th here in Chicago. So, yeah, there's a lot of good, fun stuff going on here. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, Chicago really growing. Yeah. sure has nothing to yeah. do with
1: you moving there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> mind you, I guess I it ask. was four years ago. I uh, email everybody every year. Hey, when can we have Jerry and Jane come teach? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: All right, well, thank you so much. And um, is there a way for people to get a hold of you if they would like to learn more and yeah. take a class?
1: Sure. I can just give you my cell phone number. It's um, 312-636-9196. Feel free to call or text. And then I can also give my email, too. Sure. It is CMTCHY75 at AOL.com. So feel free to reach out.